Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. There were days where we thought we wouldn't make it out, but we stuck it out. Today's our day. You've come to the right place. Today's our day. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Do you ever wonder if you married the right person? Many people do when they realize their relationship isn't working quite the way they planned. The focus shifts to what your partner is or is not doing to make the marriage work. But what if that is the wrong place to look? What if the real answers to improving your relationship are in your past, not what's happening today? Well, award-winning memorist, poet, and speaker, Dr. Diana Rapp, is here to talk about her new book, Hummingbird, Messages from My Ancestors, and how transformational psychology can improve your life and relationships. So, Dr. Rapp, Diana, thanks for coming back on the show and talking about your new book, which is I'm, I'm really excited to hear about. Oh, thank you for having me, Leslie. It's my honor. So let's just just jump in here. So how you talk in your book about self-reflection, and so how does developing a practice of self-reflection help with relationships? Well, that's a really great question. I would start by saying that uh, self-reflection and self-awareness is very important to any relationship. <laughs> Um, because the better you know yourself, the better that you can know uh, the other person, and therefore the better you can communicate and get your feelings across. You know, if we're more self-aware, uh, we tend to understand other people better as well. And, of course, I always advocate journaling for that. Uh-huh, you know, that's, uh-huh. that's my life passion. So so what gets in the way, I mean, this is an interesting question, because what gets in the way of self-reflection? I mean, a lot of times when I work with my clients and, you know, maybe suggest journaling or meditating or doing some of these things, I always get, well, there's no time. I'm going, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that that's almost a knee-jerk defense response. Um, so what makes just practice or, or just the concept of self-reflection, self-analysis, such a challenge for so many of us. Yes, it is a challenge, and you're right, it's, it's all just excuses. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a big believer in rituals, and I think uh, a lot of people over the years have lost their rituals for various reasons. Uh-huh. And so I think if we just make it a ritual to meditate and to journal, whatever brings you solace, uh, you know, you get up in the morning, whatever that looks like for you. You maybe look at your messages or maybe not. Uh, you brush your teeth, you get your coffee. Well, you know, if you can just fit in, you only need like 10 or 15 minutes or maybe uh-huh. 20 to meditate or journal. And so it's just a matter of setting the routine, setting the rituals. Uh, and, and then once you start doing it on a regular basis, you start feeling the effects, and that is encouraging. That's encouraging for us to continue. Uh-huh. So if somebody, you know, because it's, you know, I, I've done this myself. You know, I'm, I'm a off-again, on-again <laughs> journalist. I don't do it all the time. Um, and, and a lot of times it's because I will admit I haven't set it up as as part of my routine, as part of what I do. Um, and I really do think that that's really important to set aside 
time. But there's also kind of this thing of what if I don't want to know? <laughs> I mean, this is you know, it's so much easier to look at other people, right? I mean, this is the the thing when I work with my clients. You know, I tell people. Couples work isn't couples work, it's simultaneous individual work. Um, you know, and but if we've got this built in scapegoat, if we can look at the other person and point, it's like, well, you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong and you're doing this other thing wrong, it's kind of I, I let myself off the hook. Um and but what makes it so difficult for us to, to really dig into what's important to us, what motivates us, what gets in the way of that? Well, I think you'll agree that a lot of it is fear. You know, a lot of people just don't want to get down down and dirty into the, you know, their psyche to see, you know, they, they might be depressed or they might feel anxiety. They might feel uh, whatever they're feeling in a relationship. And it takes work. I mean, I, I've been a seeker my whole life, and whatever it took to feel better, I would do. You know, there's a history of depression in my family, and uh-huh. I've been terrified of depression, and so I've done everything I could to fend it off. Of course, I've had so many, you know, (laughs) diversions um, and challenges along the way that I had to find tools to navigate, you know, help me navigate. So I think it's also, again, about, you know, just setting setting the rules for yourself. Uh, And it's much easier, of course, if if you do have a partner, whether it's a spouse or someone that you live with, um, it's, it's always easier if you do it together, you know. That's the other thing I suggest sometimes to people that have trouble meditating is, you know, go to the nearest yoga center near you uh-huh. and you know, do group meditation because there's something about the group that is very inspiring. Even writing in, in a group, and I do my workshops, people say they do some of their best writing when they're in a group. Just the ener- energetically, it just uh-huh. uh, is more powerful. Yeah, because I think that it, I think that it can be be a little bit of a struggle, and I think this is kind of what you're you're um, going after in your new book because you know you're talking about messages from my ancestors. So how can connecting with our ancestors help with this process of self reflection? And, and and how does one even connect with their ancestors to begin with? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I think, uh, you know, you have to read the book, of course. <laughs> uh, where it's, you know, at the end of each, I mean, it's basically my story. It's basically a memoir. But at the end of each chapter, I do have five questions for, and there are 13 chapters for people to answer, to get in touch with themselves, to get in touch with their ancestors. And it's really about, you know, just taking time for self-discovery and, and self-care, you know, sometimes uh-huh. we do, especially if you're healers or helpers for other people, we spend more time helping others than we do ourselves. And so my grandmother visited me, you know, the, the story started in the pandemic where we were all, you know, boxed uh-huh. into our homes and I have a right. little writing studio and, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a hummingbird that kept coming to visit. And and I realized because hummingbirds are connected with the heavens with with and they do bring messages from the departed, you know, according to Native American um, uh-huh. philosophies and my own also. And so I realized it was her coming to, you know, give me messages. Uh, and so I think it's, and how to do it is just being alert, being uh-huh. alert for signs, watching what comes in front of you, watch for flickering lights. Those could be messages 
you know, watch for words that keep popping up in your mind, um, anything that might connect you. And when I talk about ancestors, actually, Leslie, I'm not only talking about relatives, I'm talking mm. about people that, um, you know, have influenced your life, whether they're mentors, and they can also be places that have inspired you. Well, and it's really interesting because I, you know, all of the, um, almost all of the men that I have been attached to have been very science-based, you know, very, um, you know, my husband's a scientist, my dad was an engineer, my son is an engineer, um, my son-in-law is, is in the, is in the sciences. And, you know, so, so, you know, we, when we talk about signs and ancestors and feelings, there's, there can be a lot of, that's unscientific, that, that's not really happening. How do we get past that cognitive block that, you know, that shuts us down from, from this type of energy, I think, that you're talking about, even, even just talking about the energy in, in your workshops when people are writing? Right. Well, my husband's an engineer too, so I totally get what you're, where you're coming from. But sadly, none of my kids are in the, in the engineering or scientific world. They're all in that creative world, which right. of course is heartbreaking for him. Right. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, I think there can be a connection between, you know, I mean, scientists talk about UFOs, right? So that's right. otherworldly. That's different energy. So. I think there can be some kind of connection. Again, it's all about tuning in and paying attention. Uh-huh. You know, I think people are often so busy they don't have a chance to look for the signs or you know that are coming their way. Right. I mean, and it's you know, and and it's it's interesting because you know, it, in a way, you know, when we fall in love, that's energetic. Um, yes, there's hormonal stuff involved with that, but but you know that that feeling that we have, and you know it's it's interesting. My my daughter um, a, a while ago, she, she she was having a medical procedure, and I said to her husband, I said, "What was happening at eight o'clock in the morning?" And he goes, "Why?" I said, "Because." I felt her, and she was really upset. I mean, I wasn't anywhere around her, but it was just like something happened. And I mean, I, I had to call him. I, and he goes, "Yeah, she was just she was just getting ready to go into this procedure, and she was really scared." And it was like, "Dang!" <laughs> you know, wow, this, how perceptive I, of you. Well, yeah. I mean, and I was I was doing something completely different, and it was like, "Oh, something's going on." And but you know, and and that's not a normal thing that I do. Um, you know, but but it was like it was so powerful that it was like I had to call him, and it was like, is she okay? I mean, literally, it's what I said to him is like, is she okay? And he goes, yeah, she was just really nervous. I went, okay, um, you know, but but trying to connect into this, and and then and then again, getting into this self reflection, um, you know, because we we don't understand that there are things that are passed through the generations. Um, Beliefs, um, behaviors, trauma—you know this. This—you know—we're discovering all of these things, and and you know it really matters to what we're doing now and how we're in relationship. That I think gets discounted in a in a very unhelpful way. Or am I am I right about that? 
Yeah, no, you're totally right on. I mean, I think, you know, we're cat, we cat, well, you know, there are people that say we are our childhoods, which I Uh also believe, but there is a lot carried in our, you know, in our genetic pool. Uh, And so, you know, uh, I think it was Helen Epstein who wrote a book um, on children of Holocaust survivors Uh and how, Uh you know, the the psychological issues that they have, because I, I am a child of a Holocaust survivor, and I know that anxiety was, you know, a part of certain parts uh-huh. of my life, and uh, I do believe we carry everything in our in our in our souls. You uh-huh. know? My grandmother was orphaned in World War One, and I have a fear of abandonment. I mean, and that's not, you know, nothing ever happened to me other than her passing that uh-huh. where I would feel abandoned. So, what, where did that come from? I mean, it must right. have come from something that's living inside me and that was passed down the generations. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, and and people like to dismiss this as all being woo-woo kind of stuff, but right. I'm going to say that Albert Einstein, scientist extraordinaire, said everything is energy. Right. And so, you know, this is, so sometimes I'm having this conversation with my husband going, you know, honey, Einstein said everything is energy. <laughs> He's just yeah. like, okay, stop this, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but it is it's you know, but but to go there we actually have to be willing I think to experience some unpleasant I think this is why a lot of people don't do self reflection is because well, I don't want to look at at the stuff that is a little bit painful but that's actually mm-hmm. part of our growth and 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 actually I think our, our ability to be in re- good relationships with people right exactly yeah. Yeah, fear is definitely a part of it. You know, you know, if I sit quietly by myself, what am I gonna, uh-huh. what am I gonna learn that I don't want to know? <laughs> right. I mean, and now it's so hard because there's so many distractions. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, so I'm going to pick up my phone and go through social media or play a game or do something that keeps me out of my own head or heart, as right. the case may be. And so right. we just we just have to go through this. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having an interesting and important conversation with memoir. This is hard for me to say. Memoirist, there you go, speaker and transformational psychologist, Dr. Diana Rabb, about improving your life and relationships by connecting with your past. And understanding your legacy can have a profound impact on your current situation. Many beliefs and behaviors are passed down through the generations, and your personal history, as well as that of your ancestors, is influencing your actions in the here and now. Identifying them and addressing them in a productive way can greatly improve your marriage. And if you would like some help with this, I invite you to get in touch with me and schedule your free no-obligation five-star relationship call. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can give me a call at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And now I want to get back to this conversation about con- you know, getting self-reflection and contacting with our ancestors. Um, and I'm going to kind of go off a little bit on this because you 
state that there are five key pillars to a successful marriage, and I was wondering if you could briefly describe them and share how a practice of self-reflection can support these pillars. Sure. Well, I've been married for... Now, I'm a writer, not a mathematician here. So it takes <laughs> <a minute. laughs> uh, 47 years and been with my husband for 52. Mm. So not that I'm... Child bride were you, yes. <laughs> What's that? Child bride you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, um, not that I'm an expert, but I think, you know, life does teach us a lot of challenges, and no marriage is... Perfect. There is always challenges, but you know, if there's a basis of love, then I think we can get through a lot. You know, we've been uh-huh. through, you know, cancer diagnoses, daughters with addiction problems, um, a lot of relatives passing. I'm turning 70 this year, so I've seen a lot of things go on. Um, but I think basically, it's the foundation of love, which is critical. Uh-huh. That was critical. I have three kids, six grandchildren, but the five pillars, and I've been asked a couple of times to announce these at weddings, uh-huh. the five pillars where I think of a good marriage are good communication, which includes listening and talking. It's not just about talking and telling the other person what you uh, are feeling, but listening to what they have to say, and listening is different than hearing, as uh-huh. most therapists know. Uh-huh. Uh, the second thing I would say is fostering love and passion, you know, make sure you have regular uh, dates, go out, you know, whether it's going to music, whether it's going to shows and, and going to dinners and just, you know, romancing. Romancing uh-huh. is really important and very hard as we as we get older, we've been with the same partner. I mean, there's a lot of repetition. Obviously, we've seen it all. Uh-huh. But um, trying to bring some variety into the relationship. Um, the third thing I would say is helping one another um, attain their dreams, you know. Uh, sometimes one person, you know, my husband has a desire to be wonderless and travel the world and do, uh-huh. you know, scuba diving here and taking <laughs> sailboats and, you know, very remote places, and I, that's something that I have no interest in. I'm just, um, you know, going to a spa or staying home and writing. And so I encourage him to follow his passions, maybe find someone to go with, but uh-huh. also, you know, do, or doing it himself. Uh, so just encouraging those passions. And he's always encouraged my writing. My new book here, Hummingbird Messages, my ancestors, I'm doing my first reading locally here in Santa Barbara tomorrow, and he's gone out and bought all the chocolates and treats. And oh, how sweet. And, yeah. And so he's, um, he's trying to get more and more involved, especially now that he's retired. It was hard uh-huh. when he was running the business. So number four, I would say, was looking into one another's eyes. And I just think this is important because sometimes we just, you know, go about our day and we forget to look at the eyes of those we love and uh-huh. and remember how, you know, what brought us together. What was it? What was that spark? If the spark is gone, let's try to bring some of it back. Uh-huh. And the last thing that, you know, I've, I think we've, we've been working on lately is a sense of playfulness and humor. You know, uh-huh. I think as life gets, moves on and, serious things happen. It's really hard, you know, I have a brother in law that's kind of on his last last days and it's it's hard to have a sense of humor when loved ones are suffering or you're going through your own challenges. But uh-huh. 
you know, there's always a little bit of room and also playfulness, um, which is hard. It's hard as you get older. But you have to, again, make it a ritual, make it a practice, um, and work. It's, it's work. No one said life was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I wish it were. Um, but yeah. So I want to go back to, I think it was the, 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 the looking into each other's eyes. Um, that is a very scary and vulnerable thing to do. And I think it's why we don't do it. Um, you know, they, there's the adage that the, you know, the eyes are the windows to the soul. It's like, I don't want you looking in there. <laughs> How, <laughs> I, you know, and, 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 you know, and I, I would suppose that maybe even in this as a, as a self-reflection exercise, looking into our own eyes. Um, yeah. You know, which is like, oh, how, how is, is there a way to make that less scary other than just doing it? You know, you know, because that to me is out of all of the ones that is that's really the scariest for me is is looking yeah. directly into somebody's eyes. Yes, it's true because you really, at time stands still, mm -hmm. but it also can, you know, flip you back into the past. Uh, I mean, you see all the stories when you look in someone's eyes. Uh, mm -hmm. You see the joy and you see the pains. And sometimes, you know, it's, uh, it's hard. It's definitely hard. Yeah, and you're right. I don't want you to look at me. <laughs> I don't want you to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, and, I mean, because I, I can't remember who, um, it may have been David Schnarch, uh, but he was talking about, you know, when, when you're making love to your, to your partner, that looking into each other's eyes is, is one of the most connecting and yet vulnerable things that we can do um, in, in that very vulnerable moment that we're in anyway. And, you know, and it's it, one of the things that what I'm, I'm getting from this is is that you know the more open that we can be. Um, but again, this this goes along. All your five pillars go along with each other. About about it's going to be much more. It's going to be easier for me to look into somebody's eyes when I feel loved and supported by them than if I mm -hmm. don't. And right. you know, this is this is one of those things where. We're, you know, we're, we're disconnecting from people. Um, you know, I, right. I worry a little bit about the next generation because, you know, they, they, they don't talk, they text. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a whole oh, other podcast. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a whole other thing. You know, I mean, and, and, and I, and I'm wondering if maybe that's why so many young people are struggling. I mean, obviously it's, it, yeah, you know, we've gone through some tough times, but without having these tools or these skills to be able to connect with other people, I would think, and, and maybe, you know, this is kind of the premise of the book about connecting with our ancestors as well, that when we're, con when we feel connected, we're healthier, we're, we're healthier and happier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. We, um, but it's also that I just feel some days that there's no wisdom around me. <laughs> right. yeah. I hate to say that, but I just feel, you know, the world is lost in, in certain areas. And so I mm -hmm. feel like the ancestors, my sense is, which is why I've been 
with this chapter of my life, reaching for the ancestors, is I think they 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 have a wisdom that I don't feel a lot from people that I run into during the course of the day, huh. and maybe it's because they've been through so much, you know, and they they just hold seem to hold a lot more wisdom. They have a perspective on life. That's what I'm. That's what I'm yearning for. That right. Why I went in that direction. So we talked a little bit about this um, before the break when you were talking about the the writing prompts that you included in the book. Um, And so, you know, why did you include them and what's the best way that someone can make use of them? Well, that's an interesting, excuse me, interesting question because because I have a history of um, you know, being a, work, a, a writing teacher and also a nursing healing, all my professions have been, you know, sort of in the healing uh, realm. I, I always feel like I want to, to help people on their journey. Uh-huh. And so uh, initially my first draft did not have writing prompts, but my publisher who does a lot of self-help books thought I should include them. And I really, I was really not too happy about that because <laughs> I just wanted to do the memoir. Right. Once I included them, it's so interesting how many people have remarked and how wonderful that is. Yeah. <laughs> and they really enjoy that because, like, one of the questions you asked me earlier on, Leslie, is how how do I do this? Well, uh-huh. the prompts will help people. You uh-huh. know, you know, examining what it is about yourself that you love, for example, and where do you think you got that from, and also what what do you what legacy do you want to leave behind for the next you know, for the next generation. Uh-huh. So a lot of reflection. Again, a lot of the prompts just help us reflect and go deeper for those that are, you know, just trying to figure out how to do it. And there doesn't have to be writing prompts. They can also be, you know, discussion prompts uh-huh. in um, various sessions. Right, because that, that to me would be a great, great way to to connect with you know your partner, your child, a friend, you know, when you, when you would ask that question. I mean, I remember, I can't remember what, program I was taking, but one of the assignments was to ask five people that who knew me pretty well, you know, what they thought might, you know, what, what they liked about me or whatever, you know, so I can, so it's very interesting when you're able to have that conversation and share that with other people, because that's not always, that's not always what we say to people. We don't always tell people what we like about them or sometimes even <laughs> what annoys us. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> You know, but but and I do like this idea of you know, stopping and thinking. You know, where did this come from? Because it could have been, like you said, it could have been a, a family member, or it could have been a mentor. And I, I would imagine that in reading the book and reading your stories, that actually also can can focus people in a different way to their own stories. Yes, exactly, and I think it it will inspire them, and some, mm-hmm. something in my story might spark a memory in their story which they want to write about, and that that was exact my exact you know intention. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and when I've when I've talked with people about journaling, because um, one of the things that I recommend is is free writing, where you just you kind of have a a, a prompt, and then you just write without thinking, correcting, grammar, spelling, you just write. And if you're you know, if you've written for ten, fifteen minutes, you're you're past the superficial. You're into right. you know, you're you're into that deeper stuff. And and that's the thing um about 
time because when we deal with with ourselves or with other people, it's in very short little, you know, if it's five minutes, that's a long time. Um, it's usually right. closer to to one minute. You know, we're having these what I call informational exchange conversations, not person to person conversations. But if you're still talking to somebody after 20 minutes, you've gone past the superficial and you're getting into what it means. And this is where we have the the door open to you know ourselves and to other people. And again, it's a little scary. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. because because I think it takes a lot of courage to to do self reflection or to be open to you know your partner and you know you're talking about with you and your husband about that he wants to do all these things that don't necessarily you know land with you but you encourage him to do it with other people. Um, without feeling, it sounds like without feeling threatened. But there's so much self-protection, and, and, and I am assuming that self-reflection can help with that? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, there's no, I don't believe there's any harm in self-reflection. I think it was James Pennebaker, who was one of the pioneers in writing for healing, said, you know, you write and you write and you write, but when it starts to hurt, you should stop and just take a break and do something else and maybe come uh-huh. back to it because it should feel better when you write uh-huh. about your life, when you reflect uh-huh. on things that you've lived through. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, and, it, and it allows us, I think, uh, uh, to look at it from a different perspective. So it's like I really love the um, focus on what's coming from – the you know maybe I guess it's the metaphysical world um, the stuff that we can't necessarily put our hands around but right. but being able to be open to you know, because some, you know, because you know, sometimes it, we can say it's an ancestor or somebody who's who's bringing that to us or it could just be wow this experience is tapped you know is has made me think of this other thing um, sure. you know you know so it's we we can you know for those of for those for those of my listeners who aren't you know who dismiss woo woo. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that if you if you can't prove it in an experiment, it doesn't exist. Um, okay, yeah, you know, but you but 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 I don't. I, what I'm hearing is that that isn't a reason not to to participate in this self reflection, because I right. think that's you know that's that's where most of our answers are. So Diana, thanks so much for coming on and sharing about this. Can you tell people where they can get the book and learn more about you? Well, the book um, is, was really, well, I guess by the time this is a broadcast, it was released yep. on uh, January 15th, uh, and it's available. It's called Hummingbird, Messages from My Ancestors, and my name is Diana Rab, R-A-A-B, and my website is dianarab.com, D-I-A-N-A-R-A-A-B.com, and the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Bookshop, and or you can go into your local bookstore and, and request it. That, that anybody can order it. And um, I hope you enjoy the read. This is my 14th book, so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> wow, I, I've, I've done I've I've done two, and I don't think I've got another one in me. <laughs> yeah, uh, you never know until you uh, know it. You know, right? I don't think I did either. <laughs> yeah. 
So the lens you view the world through has been formed by both your personal experience and the multi-generational legacy of your family. The ability to alter your current circumstances or behavior, believe it or not, is actually rooted in the past. Um, if you do not understand it, it can make the process much more difficult. So what would help you take on this transformational journey? Hopefully buying Diana's book will be the first step, but hopefully you'll continue to do this. And hopefully one of the things you'll do is to continue listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. Thank you.